that it? Excellent, sorry. This building is excellent. And I can stand here quite confident that it's not going to fall down on top of me. Is that correct, Tony? There's a good 50% chance. And one of the reasons I know that is because, you see, at the bottom of this post here, I've seen, I saw the guys dig it, and the bottom of that post there, that post there and this post here are massive foundations. And we've got these steel beams that are holding things up. Under these brick walls are foundations. And as everything is locked solid on those foundations, we can quite comfortably sit in here and have confidence it's not going to fall down. Throughout this year, we have been going through some of the foundational studies of Scripture and we've seen a wonderful, creative, all-powerful, relational God. True? True? Yes, we have. And it's been great to go through those things. And, and, and last week, the last two weeks, when Josh was, was talking about the, the Ten Commandments and looking at how God wants us to live in relationship with Him and with our fellow man. And then Jesus reiterated that in the New Testament when they said, which is the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind and strength. Everything, everything about our being is to love God. But he said, but the second most, the second, the one that follows on, the one that we can't miss out on, the one that is attached, the one that is symbiotic with this is that we love our neighbour as ourselves. They go as a package. They're not independent. In a way, they're interdependent. If we don't love God, it is really difficult to love our neighbour. But if we love God, then God says you must love your neighbour. Amen? Amen? At the beginning of the year, early in January, I spoke and I shared an example with you. Who can tell me what this is? Fiberglass. Who was here that day? Fiberglass matting. In, it, in itself, fiberglass matting has no strength. It's very pliable. You can put it around into various shapes. If I grabbed that now and I rubbed it between my hands, what do you think would happen? It would all just fall apart because it's all just these strands. Strands that go off in all sorts of different directions. But when fibreglass matting is saturated, saturated with the resin, then that fibreglass becomes very, very strong. And the fibreglass becomes quite structurally strong. And you can use it for lots and lots of different things. And as you build layer upon layer, depending on what you want to do, you can have amazing structure. But it's got to be fully saturated. Sometimes when 
fibreglass is used and it's not done properly, in fact shortcuts are taken, it actually all falls apart even though the resin's been used. Because one of the things you've got to do with fibreglass is you've got to use a roller. You put the resin on and you use a roller and it's ribbed like this. And as you rub it in, that, 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 um, the resin is actually forced through it. Now you can see the difference in fibreglass once that resin is forced through. It goes opaque. It's no longer white like that. It's opaque. And these ribs, as you rub it on, it forces it through. And so there can be no air gaps, no bits missing. And so as we learn about the the foundational stuff for the scriptures and our relationship with God and our being created in the image of God, we've got to start with that. But why would I then start to talk about this and, and how does that fit for today? You see, today's lesson is on forgiveness. And one of the things that is very foundational in our relationship with God is not only his forgiveness of us, which has to be there for us to be in relationship with each other, but also our forgiveness of fellow man. We have read some scriptures this morning that talk about forgiveness. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. If you would open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 45. We want to go to one of the foundational scriptures on forgiveness. And this is the story... Of Joseph. Now I want to go back before Genesis 45 and, and talk to you about, give you some of the background of this chapter. You see, Joseph was one of the 12 sons these 12 sons of whom? Come on, Jacob. And which one was his favourite, Joy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. <laughs> it was really obvious and the scriptures tell us this man who had 12 sons had a favourite. Is that a good idea, Chris? Tell me any parents who think it's a good idea to have a favourite child. Uh, sorry? When you got 12 years... <laughs> Oh man, there was trouble brewing in the household. Could you imagine the family barbecues? And, uh, and here was this, you know, Joshua, who, who was the favourite and knew he was the favourite. Oh sorry, Joseph, who was the favourite and knew all the J's. Joseph, who was the favourite and knew he was the favourite. And one day, Jacob sent him out to the field to take some stuff to all the brothers. And he went out there, you know, and he told them what one of his dreams was. He had a gift. He had a strong spiritual gift and that was dreaming. 
spiritual dreams. But you know, with all of our gifts, one of the things that we've also got to have with our gifts is wisdom and how to use that gift. Wisdom with how to share that gift. Wisdom with where that gift is most appropriately used. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to use that spiritual gift and not use that spiritual gift in an act of pride. And Joseph used that spiritual gift that he had on this occasion as an act of pride. When he told those brothers that they, he had this, this particular um, dream and they were all going to bow down to him, including their father. That's got to be a great conversation piece. Well, it was. It did start a conversation, didn't it, Terry? How are we going to kill this guy? We're going to get rid of him. It burned within them the things that this favourite son was saying to them. So they decided to kill him. But as a couple of the brothers got cold feet, I'm not saying they weren't in the plot, as a couple of them got cold feet, maybe they thought about the father, maybe they thought about consequences, maybe they thought about, ooh, not sure whether I really want to do that. Don't know. Along comes a trading caravan. So they decided to get rid of him and they sold him as a slave. And they took that coat that his father had given to him. No other coat like it in the world. So it couldn't have been anybody else's. And they took it and they tore it and they dipped it in animal's blood. And they said to his dad, knowing full well that he would, he would see, no, um, uh, recognise it straight away, is this your son's coat? And the father was devastated. Devastated. So they thought they got away with it because the father assumed he was dead. Wiped the hands, back out in the field, we're free. Joseph's gone, no one, no one now to tell us, nag us, no one to be the favourite, we're all equals. So Joseph, he was sold into slavery. First of all, they were going to murder him. Just remember that. They were going to murder him. Sold to slavery. Went off, was taken, because he was obviously a good-looking guy like myself. He was so, and, and Potiphar's uh, wife took him into the household there. He was a slave. And then they started to realise that he had a talent in administration. <laughs> Lucky him! <laughs> but it was recognised and he started to run the household. And it says that Pharaoh didn't need to worry about anything because he could do it. But then, accused again of trying to attack Potiphar's wife. But it was her. So he was slandered. He was thrown into jail. But then in jail, people started to see once again this ability for him as an administrator and so he started to look after all the prisoners. And here was another opportunity for him. There was two guys had a dream after they were thrown into prison, the cupbearer and the baker. And so he said, I'll interpret the dreams. And he did 
and they were proved to be correct. And he said to them, he pleaded with them, when you get before Pharaoh, tell him I'm here and tell him I'm innocent so that I can get out of this wretched place. So there they went and what he said, exactly the same thing happened. The baker was, was uh, killed and the cupbearer got back his responsibility. He forgot. He forgot. And Joseph was left to rot. But in God's purposes, Pharaoh had a dream and they couldn't find anyone, anyone who could interpret this dream. But then someone remembered Joseph and he was brought before Pharaoh. Do you remember one of the things that we shared all through Genesis that was God has a plan and God has a purpose in the lives of all his creation and we need never to fear. We need never to be able to stand up and say, I don't know what my purpose is in life. Because God has it all worked out. And even in this most desperate of situations where he had been sold into slavery, where he had been um, falsely spoken about, where he had been accused of many things and he was left to rot in this prison, God brought him up at the right time. And Pharaoh saw that God was working through him and he interpreted this right and he was made the Prime Minister of Egypt and he looked after all of the grain and, the, uh, and all of the stores that brought Egypt through that time of drought. God working out his plans and purposes. But along comes these other brothers And they come and they come before him wanting to buy grain because, as he said, the drought had hit hard. And his brothers stood before him. How would you feel after 22 years of knowing what had happened in your life and what these brothers had said and what they had done? How would you feel? as they stood all in front of you. As the Prime Minister of Egypt, no one would have questioned if he had had them all killed on the spot. No one would have questioned it. And in fact, they loved Joseph in Egypt and if he had only whispered what they had done, their lives would have been ruined. <coughs> I wonder for the time of the previous couple of chapters before Genesis 45 where they came to buy grain and he was teasing them. He gave them grain but then he put their money back in their sacks. 
The second time when they came back, or they kept one of the sons and, 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 they, uh, and, and, and he wanted the youngest one brought to him and, and there was all this struggle with these brothers in wanting to do and not do and upsetting the father and oh dear what a mess he caused in their lives and in their heads. And then when they went again he put the cup, his cup, in one of the sacks. And so, boy, he was teasing them. He was playing with them. During that time, was he wondering what he was going to do? Was all of the stuff that had built up after 22 years in his heart turning over within it? And say, do I mention what they had done? And do I, what do I do? What do I do? But it all got too much for him. And we read in Genesis 45, right from the beginning, if you've got it there before you, then Joseph, as they were sitting down there at dinner, could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made known himself to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household knew about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers, who I would suggest at this point, guilt just flowed through them as they realised who it was but his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Why would they be terrified? Not only thinking about what they'd done, but what was he now going to do with all of this power that he had as the Prime Minister of Egypt? What was he going to do in vengeance to them? because they expected him to be like themselves. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. (laughs) I'd be looking for the knife, wouldn't you? When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no ploughing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you, you, a remnant on earth and to save your lives by this great deliverance. So then, It was not you who sent me here, but God. But God. How do you go with forgiveness? I'd say most of us struggle with it. There are times when people say things about us or to us that cut very, very deeply. And you know, sometimes those things 
were never meant to do that. Never meant to do that. But they do. Sometimes the person has no idea that they have offended you in such a way. And yet what they said hurts extremely deeply. About 30 something years ago, 33, 34 years ago, two young men, my peers, were chatting together and discussing some scripture. I was walking over towards them, I was coming. They were there and they were chatting and, and I walked and, and stood beside them and, and, and one of them turned to me and said, Garth, go away, you won't understand this. And uh, I suppose it was, I, I think back now and, and, and I suppose it was contextual and, and so forth and, and I, but you know what it did? It cut my heart in such a way that I had no confidence in the way then that I related to God. When I read scripture, I would have to look up commentaries because I couldn't just interpret it myself. I had to read what other people thought. I had to see what other people who who could interpret scripture. And believe what they said. Now that's not wrong. But God wants a personal, intimate intimate relationship with each of us so that when we read the scriptures he wants us to see the things that he wants to say to us for each of us now that person never ever ever knew that they hurt me in such a way and they still don't to this day But to move on, I had to reconcile. I had to forgive. I had to allow the Holy Spirit to heal my heart. And if I didn't, it wasn't going to affect that other person at all, was it? One of the things about unforgiveness, it is it the one who doesn't forgive is the one that's affected, not the perpetrator. Now that was a simple thing. I haven't been hurt near as much as a lot of you. You may have been hurt by comments that have been made by people. I may have been the one who hurt you and I don't know. You may have been hurt by someone who did something to you. You may have been hurt by a family member. 
you may have been hurt by a husband or a wife, either emotionally, spiritually or physically. And the struggles that we go through and try to push down and suppress in our lives affect us in terrible ways. And it stops us from being the person that God wants us to be. And it comes back to God desiring the best for you and me and us desiring the best for those around us. And Joseph was able to stand there that day and draw his brothers into them, into himself and say, I can see a greater good. I forgive you. I can see that this is not going to do any good whatsoever to hold unforgiveness in my heart. I forgive. And God took that and from there on brought his people that he had promised to create into a nation, brought them into the land of Goshen and grew them until the time he took them out of Egypt and into the promised land. You know... Last week we read 1 Corinthians 13 and this is the love chapter. God's love needs to flow over us and through us and every part of our being to be the people that God wants us to be has to be like this fibreglass matting. Every part of our being needs to be saturated with God and God's love and God's being. As his Holy Spirit dwells within us and turns us into the people that he wants us to be. Folks, today, Joseph forgave them He released them from any responsibility of the things that they had done to him. He told no one and he did that. He did not make them feel guilty. We've moved into a new building and one of the reasons we've done that is that we want to grow as a church. We want to grow spiritually and we want to grow in numbers. But I wonder if one of the things that we need to do this day for all of us to move forward is to look into our hearts and forgive. The things that are holding us back individually that may be there and have just stopped us from moving forward.
I want to pray for us right now. I want you to look into your heart and I want you to consider the person that may have hurt you and that you need to forgive. And today I wonder if you, like me, are able to be a Joseph. To forgive them, to release them, to make a promise before God that you will not tell anyone as Joseph did and to not make them feel guilty. Are you able to do that today? I've had to do it to be able to move forward and it's not easy but I want to ask you today if you will do that and I'm going to lead us in a prayer that you can pray silently. I want everyone to close their eyes If you have someone in your heart right now that you need to forgive, I'm going to ask you to stand so that when you pray that you are making a covenant with God, you are making a commitment as you pray this prayer with me silently that you mean business. As I start to pray this prayer now, please just stand where you are. Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you to give me the strength, to give me strength right now. I am sorry for my sin. I thank you for the blood shed on Calvary. I thank you for forgiving my sin. I forgive those now who have sinned against me. I want you to bless them. You know who they are. I release them from responsibility for what they did. I will not tell anyone what they did. I will not let them feel guilty. And I accept that this is a life commitment. I set them free. I set them free. I set them free. Father God, as we make this commitment now, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would come and cleanse us from anything that we are holding against another person. Help us to honour this prayer. Help us to honour this commitment. For we are often weak but I pray today as a congregation that we would be 
is the example of that fiberglass mat that we would allow you to penetrate us everywhere and saturate us, Father, that we would be your people and you would be our God and we would learn in the most amazing ways to love our neighbour as you have loved us. Help us this day to honour this. In Jesus' name, Amen.